Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus, and we'll be journeying together and unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. Hopefully, you'll be joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we'll be delving into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we center ourselves and prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This blessing comes to us in the form of a benediction from Moses' brother, Priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, I want to welcome everyone back today. We are exploring the book of Job, and this is one of the lengthier books of the Bible, as it includes 42 chapters. The author of Job is unknown, but some scholars have speculated that possibly Job himself was responsible for writing it, or possibly Moses, or Solomon, or even Elihu. So we're not quite sure, but the overarching purpose of the book of Job explores the question, why do the righteous suffer? And again, recall that righteousness just means that we are perfectly acceptable to God and we're acceptable because of who Jesus Christ is and our belief in Jesus, who is absolutely perfect in the eyes of God. Now, we'll come fully around to the answer that God's sovereignty and the true meaning of faith is demonstrated. And the book of Job is set in the land of Uz. Note, it's not Oz, but Uz, U-Z. Uz is northeast of Palestine. It's thought to be near a desert land between Damascus and the Euphrates River. And recall that the Apostle Paul had been traveling along the road to Damascus when he was Saul before his encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, books within the Bible are different in nature. Some are gospels, some are epistles, while others are considered wisdom literature, such as Proverbs. And the book of Job is considered a poetic book. Now, some scholars believe that this book was the first one written, even though it doesn't appear chronologically as the first book within the Bible. We also glean insights into the working of Satan from this book. James chapter 5 verse 11 tells us we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. Job is an example of a man who endured patiently. From his experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good, for he is full of tenderness and mercy. 
and many prophets suffered and were persecuted, such as Moses, Elijah, and Jeremiah. Job too was persecuted. Satan was the ultimate persecutor. Now, Satan wanted to prove that pain and suffering would make a person abandon God. And Ezekiel chapter 14 verse 14 says, Even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were there, their righteousness would save no one but themselves, declares the sovereign Lord. Noah, Daniel, and Job were great men in Israel's history. They were renowned for their relationship with God and for their wisdom. But even these great men could not have saved the people of Judah because God had already passed judgment on the nation's pervasive evil. And as children of God, like Job, we too must always be ready to withstand testing or times of tribulation. And while we may ask why we're being tested, it may not be apparent here upon the earth. The question we find ourselves asking within the pages of this book are, then why does God allow the righteous to suffer? Shouldn't suffering be regulated for the evil only? First, we must understand that God is beyond our comprehension. And secondly, our part is to remain faithful no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. And suffering is not always a result of sin or evil. Often people will assume wrongly, and that's a given. Severe suffering may not be our fault. This is not to shuck off responsibility. However, we don't need to add to our pain by feeling guilty that some hidden sin is causing our trouble. Suffering purifies our faith. We must courageously accept what God allows to happen in our lives and remain firmly committed to Him. Notice many imperatives are being used because when it comes to God, it's not gray. It's a black and white issue. God's enough when all else is gone for our present day lives and our future. The result of testing is a deeper relationship with God. We will endure God's deep rewards in the end. From Job's perspective, we see that the pain and the loss were monumental, but the greatest trial that Job faced was not being able to understand why God allowed him to suffer. While we already said that suffering may be a penalty for sin, that just isn't always the case. Along the same vein, prosperity is not always a reward for being good. And Job gives us a good line of sight into understanding the enemy. Job was committed to God. If we were to diagram this out, we would see God and directly underneath God would be Job. And then Satan, who was attempting to place a wedge in between this union of God and Job right within the middle. Satan's lie was that God's governing of the world was just not good enough, and Satan was limited to what God allowed him to do to Job. He took his children, his wealth, and his health away. 
We need to recognize Satan's attacks, but we do not need to fear them. Satan is unable to exceed the limits that God sets. A governor has been placed upon him, allowing him to go only so far. While it's true, we're unable to control how Satan attacks, but we can choose how we will respond. We can either look to God for direction and solace, or we can act like the world and be fearful. The widely held belief says that good people prosper, and scripture teaches it's God who gives us the ability to generate wealth. While God is omnipotent everywhere at once, it is possible that at times he may feel far away. This may make us feel alone and doubt his care for us. We serve God because of who he is, not for how we feel. He's never insensitive to our suffering, and God is solely and fully sufficient. He holds us in the palm of his righteous right hand. Now God rebuked Job's friends for their pride and arrogance. Human wisdom is always partial and temporary wisdom. Undue pride in our conclusions is sin. When we judge others who are suffering, we may be demonstrating the sin of pride. So we must refrain from congratulating ourselves for being right so that we do not become proud. And Job trusted God in the midst of suffering. Job never placed his hope in his experience, his wisdom, nor his friends or his health and wealth. He solely focused upon God. And here's what we know about Job. He was an upright man in good standing within his community. He loved God. and God alone knew the reason for Job's suffering. But Job never gave up on God, even during his trials. Job kept his focus on what mattered, and that was God. Job teaches us when all is stripped away, we are to realize God is all we ever really had. As the creation and not the creator, we're to not demand that God explain everything to us. The details are none of our business. As we said, Job was a wealthy man of upright character who loved God. Satan would destroy Job's flocks, his possessions, his children, and his health. He did a complete character assassination of him too. The lesson in this for us is that we must trust God when we do not understand the difficulties we face. Many times we struggle to find the answer to our question, why God, why? And it may become painfully apparent that we are not meant to know why. This causes us to face life squarely with the knowledge that we do have. The pages of Job are filled with calamity and suffering. This book helps us to remember that we're living in a fallen world where good behavior is not always rewarded and bad behavior is not always punished. Sin has twisted and perverted justice and made our world unpredictable. What is unshakable faith? This is knowing that the object of our faith is built upon one person. Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
our confidence that God's plan will come to pass. Scholars believe that Job lived during the time of the patriarchs. You remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, before the written law or appointed priests to be religious leaders, during Job's day, the father of the family was the spiritual leader. Job's life teaches us that faith in God is justified even when our situations look hopeless. Job acted as the family priest and also offered sacrifices to God to ask for forgiveness for the sins he and his family had or had not possibly committed. This act alone demonstrates that Job didn't consider himself to be above reproach. He didn't consider himself to be sinless. He performed these acts out of devotion, conviction, and love for his God. Like Job offering sacrifices to God on behalf of his children, we too can utilize this approach and excavate the depths of our own hearts, discovering more layers deep within as we offer up prayers to God for our children and our families. If you're following along with me, let's look now at Job's first test, which is found in the book of Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Every year when Job's sons had birthdays, they invited their brothers and sisters to join them for a celebration. On these occasions, they would get together to eat and drink. When these celebrations ended, and sometimes they lasted several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan the accuser came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan, and Satan answered the Lord, I have been going back and forth across the earth, watching everything that is going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You have always protected him and his home and his property from harm. You have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is, but take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. 
One day, when Job's sons and daughters were dining at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground before God. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow, what a story. What a beginning to the story. Well, we're going to continue on tomorrow, and I hope that you'll come back and join me as we find out about what happens after Job's first test. And friends, if you've not been spiritually reborn, wouldn't now be a good time? God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son Jesus by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. Now, we can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I challenge you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me. Father God, today I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin from the top of my head to the soles of my feet at the cross on Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer, salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will help to build up and edify your faith in Jesus. 
Now allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So I hope that you're going to tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and so many more topics. I'm inviting you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please consider joining me. And if you like this episode, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And friends, much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word and waiting for you to read it. So until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. Revelation chapter 22 verse 21 tells us the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.